0: What's up, family? On today's show, I have Not My Cousin Dan and Martin, and we're going to be talking about blues artist Muddy Waters, among other things. I enjoyed this podcast. I hope you do, too. It was lots of fun to do, Um, and and it's a good break from uh, what we usually do. I really liked doing the research for this particular um, podcast because... uh, I really enjoyed blues, and I'm ashamed to, to not have gotten into blues before this podcast. As always, you can find us at The Flow Roll on Instagram, and you can always buy a coffee mug or a throw pillow or a t-shirt over at shop.theflowrollpodcast.com. Now here's the show. All right so welcome to another episode of the flow road podcast this is edgar Traves, and today on the show we have martin Ma- today on the show we have martin i don't know why i do that what is wrong with my tongue sometimes <laughs> it's all right hey everyone <laughs> yeah and, and um and my cousin and not my cousin dan so uh today <laughs> i i am an out of it uh i have I I've, I've started this this new diet and I feel like Ooh. but uh, anyway <laughs> how you guys doing how you, what's what's going on doing
1: what's... good Ed, Edgar's on the straight up uh, mushrooms diet
0: <laughs> <laughs> eating nothing but mushrooms and the special kind oh that would be <laughs> awesome you know how awesome that would be I would just whew. now I'm actually on that keto diet um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to stick to it real hard and it's still early. And I'm just now kind of beginning to feel not, not, not weird. Like I felt like the first, yeah. the first few days, there was like a, like on day four or something, I felt weak, dude. I was just like weak and I was like, I'm tracking everything. So I'm looking at everything and it's just like, what am I doing wrong here? You know? Uh,
1: well, cause you drop those carbs, especially coming off the, coming off the holidays when, you know, you're probably mm. eating.
0: cookies and
1: stuff you know you drop the carbs and all of a sudden your body's got no energy
0: i i guess yeah and i guess my body's kind of shifting over to ketones but it's just like so like i feel i feel a little wonky but so how you doing, man? How you doing, you Martin? Look, you look a little wonky too. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> the same as always. Okay, so uh Martin, I don't know if you listened to the to the other episodes, but uh yes. now my cousin Dan gets a little roasty here and there. So, <laughs> 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 so watch out for him, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it, it'll work in, in
0: today's episode well. It'll fit yeah. in nicely. Yeah. Hey. So uh, so how how you doing, man? How the how the uh the new days uh, treating you in the in the new year, the 2021, Martin?
2: Okay, hanging on tightly like a like a roller coaster out of control as 2021 <laughs> gets off to a start. Yeah. <laughs> Hoping I don't get flung. It's it's a very rickety coaster too, you know. It's like one of those old ones, not a, not
0: yeah, a new right. modern one. Yeah, yeah, it's like the old American ego made out of wood and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, one. <laughs> that one. felt dangerous.
2: Yeah. So just hanging on and hoping I don't, you know, my neck doesn't snap because of the G forces. So,
0: <laughs>
2: still in there, hanging in there, like everyone else. Yeah.
0: So. Uh, yeah. Th- were you gonna say that? No, just welcome to a whole new
1: level of weird. Like we, uh, everybody was was really sure that 2020 was was setting new records, and and here we are. Here we are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, we're setting basically, records all right. Basically
1: it's it's hunkered down and let's let's see what happens. You know, yeah. don't I, make any plans basically.
0: Yeah, not to get too just to give the you know the, the listeners some context and you guys can jump in. But uh and again I don't want to get too far into the politics because we do have a topic today, but uh I um at this point the Capitol, it is it is what the the eleventh? The and the eleventh the of January, uh, yes. Eleventh of January, as we're recording this, and the uh, the the capital was, uh, I guess you could say, attacked or whatever. Yes. Uh, yes. By by yeah, America. I
1: believe the word that they're using is there was an insurrection against the uh, American government.
0: Yeah, as they were trying to certify Biden's uh, election, and, um, and then after now um today the latest news is uh they're going to they're 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 attempting to impeach uh trump and mm-hmm. uh, and and as and I was talking to dan earlier uh they they're just they're they've i guess started to talk about possibly impeaching so we're not even in the impeachment process just yet and I, is that is that even happening still
1: yeah it basically had to decide whether they were you know take it to congress and say we we have to vote on whether or not we're going to vote on this
0: yeah (laughs) you know yeah yeah Yeah, and and, i'm sorry go ahead martin yeah it sounds like the house is about to
2: impeach maybe in, in in a few days but i think it's in the senate where it's going to get bogged down where if they were to impeach then the trial would would take a little bit longer and really yeah. would probably be dragged out and it wouldn't happen the only thing I heard that they may do is they may impeach him after he's out of office just because I mean and convict him in the senate because that would mean that he could no longer run for federal, run office, for federal office yeah
0: yeah yeah and that and that I heard and, but I, you know I'm glad that I have you guys on here because I'm an idiot when it comes to this stuff <laughs> and I and uh I had to have Dan explain to me, wait a minute, they're not impeaching him yet. And he's like, No, they're not impeaching him. They they're just talking about impeachment. I'm like, well, what the fuck are they doing? You know, <laughs> like yeah. well, yeah, it's just it's just how it works, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, and it they'll move forward how they move forward, man. It but like, yeah, you can't just like impeach a president in a day, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. not how it works.
2: Yeah, and then there there's currently still talk. Although that's all it seems like is talk of invoking the 25th amendment. The, uh, the vice president Pence would have to do it with, I don't know if it's three quarters of the cabinet
1: with the cabinet. And and then that has to get voted on by Congress too.
0: Yeah. I I don't, I don't know if that'll go through either, but right. So yeah. And all of this is happening while he's watching. Right. So like, Lord knows what he'll do, you know, and
1: I had read an article that, Uh, A real short article on CNN that a source close to the vice president had kind of said the vice president had been thinking about it, but was afraid to do it because he was afraid of what Trump might do if they started the process. And the thing is, like, well, if, if that's the reason you're not doing it, then you kind of absolutely need to do it. You know, if, if you're afraid of, if you're afraid he's going to do something crazy, then you kind of, then that's why you do it. But, you know, I'm not, I don't want, we don't want to talk about that. You know what I mean? You, you and I, on the the last episode of the podcast, we went down about a 45 minute rabbit hole that involved some shouting and, you know, on my behalf and (laughs)
0: like,
1: uh, you get so passionate, bro. <laughs> i I really do I get worked up about this stuff, and uh it's and whatever to. crazy, crazy is the rule of the day, you know mm-hmm. crazy is is how we operate now, so
0: yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm used to it by now, like you know it's just like it's just like every day I look at the news it's like okay how is how is dude, whoa, look at that. He just changed, uh, So I'm sorry, I got all excited uh, for our listeners. Dan just changed uh, his background to a Flow Roll uh, logo on his background. So I'm looking oh. at Dan <laughs> with his Flow Roll background. It's pretty neat. Uh, <laughs> I have to get one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll send you the logo. You can go ahead and knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so, um, anyway, uh, all that aside, just to give people context about what we're talking about, but, um, today's topic, we're going to be hitting on, uh, just kind of something really kind of different for the show. Usually we talk about movies and stuff, but today we're going to be talking about music and, uh, Martin, you're a musician. I, I wouldn't say a hack musician, but yes,
2: I, I, I <laughs> I, I, I play a little guitar and played a little drums as a younger kid and
0: come from a family of, of musicians. My, um, yeah, I come from a family of singers. Oh, wow. So wait a minute. Yeah. So like mariachi singers or just singers in general? Or? Well, my, grandpa, my grandfather was first, he was a singer. He was an amazing vocalist. He actually, he
2: could sing opera, but he also sang popular songs from the 20s. There's a, one of my earliest memories of going to Mexico is, is visiting and they had an old giant 78 record. Of my grandfather, who I never knew, he passed away before I was born. But they played that for me, and he sang some popular tunes of the twenties and thirties in Mexico. And then at the end, there was a an opera tune that he sang, or an opera, I don't know, an aria or whatever. It was just sounded beautiful. It was just
0: amazing. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Wow, that's that's impressive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, when we talked about this before. You never told me this stuff, man. You got yeah. like,
2: and, and then my dad was a singer too. My dad and his brothers were singers. They were, you know in their neighborhoods when they weren't fighting with other people, they were singing and, you know, trying to score with girls or whatever, what, what, what young men tried to do. Yeah. Um, so my dad I is also that's, also,
1: that's why most men become musicians.
0: I would say so.
1: He's yeah. yeah. trying to score with girls.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I would, I mean, that's absolutely correct. Right. I mean, if, if there's anything you, especially in like Mexican culture, like, you know, to be able to serenade a girl from her window. Right. I mean, yeah. They, mm-hmm. I'm sure you got you got plenty of women to fall over you for that, but man that's awesome yeah so that's how i kind of first got into music was through that was through osmosis of my family
1: so mm-hmm. so you, so have you ever been in a band have you ever like performed? Just, uh, as a, yeah as a kid yeah just in small at parties at venues
2: um i I've performed in ensembles at yeah. uh like the otan school of Folk music. Uh, they had, used to have a Beatles ensemble oh. that would join in. Every yeah, once that's in a while. real, I, man. I used to love taking classes there, and it's that's actually how I really first learned how to play the guitar and learn like actual music theory beyond you know just a couple of chords and singing. Yeah, you know whatever well, a
1: Beatles tune or a Stones tune. And for anybody who's listening, the Old Town School of Music is like, I mean, that's cred, man. That's that's a a very well known institution. Yes, there were some great musicians there. They they allowed me to
2: to hang out in the background with them, yeah.
0: Yeah, huh. very so, cool. <laughs> where was this located at when you were growing up?
2: Oh, the Old Town School of Folk Music I, I went to as an adult. Um, and that's that was here in, in um, right off of Halstead. Uh, yeah. Halstead and like Armitage. Yeah, up north. Uh, up there. And now they have a, a beautiful venue further up north. Um, way up north. <laughs> I don't remember where it's at. but um, So yeah, n- nothing major, but yeah. I love to. I love music. Cool.
0: Give me one sec. Hey guys, come on, man! You guys open the door, and <laughs> then you come in here. You guys uh, they're gonna be making popcorn uh. next,
2: and <laughs> this internet's gonna go.
0: Yeah, they, he came in here and was like moving shit around, and just, and then he walks out and leaves the door, and then you can hear <laughs> everybody coming up the stairs. You know, it's funny (laughs) is having kids, especially now working from home, having kids
1: is a lot like having coworkers because I I had, this is like one example at the office. There was one point where I shared an office space with a coworker, right? The two of us shared one big office space. And it, it was like, we were the creative team for the marketing department. And so it was kind of like a easy come, easy co. People would come in and out all the time. And so like if we had conference calls or something going on, we would just close the door and put a sign up on the door that said like, you know, recording in progress or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was one day I was like executing a webinar and some guy just walked right in the, in the room, sat down. And he was like taking a phone call and I'm sitting there like, what do? you, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and he looked at me as if he hadn't just walked into my office, sat down and had a phone call. You know, he looked at me like, what's your problem?
0: It's yeah, no, it's exactly that. It's and it's all day. It's all day. Like I'll be deep in something or I'll be on a call or something. One time that he came in here and he started yelling crazy stuff at me. He called me a poop butt and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of a phone call. <laughs> you know. Like, what are you doing to me, man? Because <laughs> like, you know, me, me and the kid, like during the day, it just, you know, we just we're smacking each other. He's 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 less my son and more like my my bro, you know, and, <laughs> and we're just calling each other names and smacking each other. And we break out in the fake kung fu battles in the kitchen. <laughs> so it, it's just like he like it's my fault to a certain extent because then like I'm taking, I'm doing something serious and he doesn't know when I'm serious. Cause even when I pretend to be serious with him, I'm pretending to be serious. So I gotta, I got, as part of it is, is my fault. I gotta stop it, but it is what it is. But anyway. So we were talking about old town school, right? Is that what we yes. were talking?
1: Okay. Yes. Okay. So what kind of music do you play?
2: I, I, I think how how would you describe it? Maybe American roots. I love. I was a, mm-hmm. I, I guess I was a big Beatles fan, big Stones fan. Um, <laughs> that that would that would not be American. <laughs> yeah,
1: <I laughs> that guess. would be British but invasion. They
2: were, <laughs> but they were they were certainly obviously influenced incredibly by by American. Oh sure. Music. But um, sure. Uh, let's see what else. God, I mean, where do you start? I love the Almond Brothers. I mean, I mean, sure. how do you start with? Where do you start? Where do you end with this stuff? I love all kinds of. I'm I'm over fifty. I'm just over fifty. I just turned fifty a couple of day, a couple of years ago, so uh, I'm of that age range, of right. the late my earliest adolescence is late seventies, early eighties. So I remember punk. I loved punk. I yeah. loved the Clash. Um, I even like the kind of the, like some of the popish stuff from the seventies and eighties. I mean, again, wh- where do you start? I mean, I, we could go anywhere. What about you, Dad? what, what
1: oh. oh man, I. If you try track back, you know, when I was a kid, I, I loved what you loved in the eighties. You know, I loved hair bands. I loved them. I loved my Motley crew. Right. <laughs> I loved it. I loved, uh, you know, um, why can't I think of the name, but it's at the drive in in the old man's Ford. Um, oh. what band is that? And why can't I remember it? Uh, uh come on uh well i'm not gonna google it because that's just lame but you know (laughs) 80s 80s anthem rock and you know i was a kid in the 80s so that's what i got into but then you know i started growing up and i i got into a little heavier music i liked i liked my heavy metal i liked uh, like Faith No More Which I don't know how you would classify Faith No More to be honest I don't know, you know, maybe that's alternative rock uh, But but it's kind of unclassifiable Really mm-hmm. And eventually I For a long time I desperately thought I wanted To be punk nice. Which is like the least punk thing you can do Right <laughs> like, you know, Desperately wanting yeah. to be punk is Is the antithesis of punk And you know that, that led to some misery, uh, but, like, I don't know. I I My musical tastes are so wide and broad. Lately, mostly, um, like, roots rock, and I got to admit, it's probably because I'm getting old, but I've been getting into more jam band-type stuff, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Stuff like, like Dispatch. I don't know if you guys know the band Dispatch or, like, Umphreys McGee, you know? It's stuff that you can just kind of listen to and zone out to and you know now well, i'll be honest smoke a little pot you know mm-hmm. um <laughs> and, and uh but like I, I mean if you were to look through my iphone it would be so eclectic and so bizarre you know and lots of disconnected stuff but i think that's the interesting thing about music is it's all connected one way or another yeah and what you know we had talked about specifically talking about muddy waters and i think that's really important because all of it reaches back to muddy waters in one way or another you know mm-hmm. um and muddy waters are like delta blues chicago blues you know that there wouldn't be rock and roll without that right yeah because you, you go back to muddy waters and i think muddy water's big contribution and it wasn't just muddy waters but chicago blues in general was adding electrification to delta blues right playing mm-hmm. it playing it hot and dirty through amplified sources right um and and i mean that's that's where the whole idea not just of like electric guitar comes from but distortion and mm-hmm. crunch adding that crunch to the music comes from muddy waters
0: So uh, would you say that Muddy Waters was the founder of like the electronic guitar?
1: No, I I wouldn't say that, but I mean, he was probably the first, either the first or one of the first that, that was really that brought that to the mainstream. Does that sound about fair? Yeah, I I think, I think you're right. He was one of those guys that, that
2: changed blues from the, from the, more of the Robert Johnson sound. That was more of, the, of that acoustic yeah. blues, delta blues sound from the 20s. And starting in the 40s, yes, making it uh, more like much more electrified. I, I think going to one of Edgar's questions, one of the people who's, because I don't think any one person's credited with inventing the electric right. guitar, but I know that one of the people who's often cited is Les Paul, hmm. who uh, yeah, had that famous less... log that he created that eventually became the, the electric, a version yeah. of an electric and- guitar.
1: And so, like, I mean, the electric guitar, it's been around since the 1930s, you know? Um, but it was, like, like Les Paul working with Gibson, like, refined it to, to a certain place. And then, interestingly enough, like, parallel but not connected, you had Leo Fender, who was, like, he, he, he created his own kind of he, he looked at electric guitars as, as they were and said, okay, what do we need to do to make this mass producible? And electric guitars at the time, especially because they were just fundamentally up until the Les Paul and the Fender Broadcaster, which was the Telecaster and the Esquire, uh, up until that, they were just really electrified acoustic guitars And if you've ever played an acoustic guitar and tried to slap pickups on it and play it through a regular amplifier, you know that causes feedback, not distortion, feedback. You get feedback, it's very unpleasant, it's it's difficult to deal with. And so it was difficult to, especially at the time with the technology, to amplify a guitar. And so, you know, you had Leo Fender who created the Telecaster which was the first mass produced solid body guitar. And that, so if you, if you look at an acoustic guitar, this is, man, I hope I'm not mansplaining this. I really hope I'm not. <laughs> oh, you, I, you I, so you are. I'm guitar, so offended guitar. right now. <laughs> you should be, but you no, so an acoustic guitar is a big hollow cavity yeah. that, that creates the resonance and the sound that comes out of it. And if you look at a, a, classic fender telecaster or a fender stratocaster or a gibson les paul it's a solid chunk of wood and the reasoning for that is it creates less feedback it it, it instead of using the body of the guitar as a as that like the the resonance chamber mm-hmm. the guitar create the, the guitar the body transfers the resonance. And, you know, you've got the electromagnetic field between the, the pickups and the strings. And so you've got an instrument that's designed to make sound through an amplifier, as opposed to an instrument that's designed to make sound on its own and then put through an amplifier. Mm-hmm. So, so like, and for, that's where you get that classic electric guitar sound that we all know and
0: love. Yeah. So like, I think uh, uh, like a couple examples, like what I believe, one of like the classical blues sounds that is in the list of songs that uh, Muddy Waters sings is, uh, I want to say it's, I just want to make love to you. I think that has like a, from the the versions I've listened to, that's like really classic blues, but then his more modern stuff, uh, I want to say like Hoochie Coochie Man has got the electronic sound in it. Am I correct?
1: Well, there are a lot of different versions of Hoochie Coochie Man
0: well yeah you know
1: and and so like there, are they're old old versions of that where it's just kind of your straight electrified blues sounding you know
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: you get into the 70s there are some recordings in there where it's really i mean it sounds blues rocky you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah and so like and, martin like, say, and muddy seemed to have like
2: two eras didn't he like he he for, his his first first big era in the 50s right after he came to Chicago in the early
0: 40s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: And then his his popularity and influence kind of waned. But then in the late 60s and 70s, it started coming back as guys like Eric Clapton and the Stones were beginning to give him his plaudits. And he had a a resurgence until his death in the early 80s. I remember seeing on Channel 11, a famous recording of Muddy Waters and the Stones at Muddy Guys. That's
0: amazing.
1: I remember just being shocked as a kid, like just blown away by that performance. And it's, it's an interesting, just a historical, interesting thing to to note that, you know, you had the birth of rock and roll in the United States with with guys like Elvis and the Big Bopper and Jerry Lee Lewis. And, you know, it's interesting because you you really track it back. We all think of rock and roll or rock as this guitar driven sound and you go back to the origins of it and like little richard uh it, it was piano and saxophone that was that was rock and roll before anything else was rock and roll was piano and saxophone those were the two instruments and then then you started getting more guitar into it and then then you got to a point where guitar replaced the saxophone and then you got to a point where guitar replaced the the saxophone as like the lead and then guitar replaced the piano as the rhythm. And so you, all, so, so you had two guitar rock was what came out of the 60s. And where did that come from? That came from blues, but it came from blues via the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the British invasion. So blues came back to, to American rock and roll via British people. Yeah, The Brits well, brought blues back to us in the form of rock and roll. And well, that's an interesting
0: thing. It's funny because I believe Muddy Waters actually spent some time in Europe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. so well, it, as
1: his popularity waned here, he, he took was off. all the rage. All the all the rage. They in loved him in, in England. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. they loved him. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that probably influenced the growth of some of these other bands and and uh, rock mm-hmm. and roll in general in in England. But also, he had like a pretty bad car accident, which is probably why. He kind of went away at one point he had broken all kinds of stuff like his hip his his ribs all kinds of things and he was walking with a cane after that so i don't know for how long after uh because the reading kind of that i that i put up i first of all just to clarify i am not the music expert that these two guys are <laughs> oh god no, i'm not an expert yeah. but no not at all aficionado yeah so but i'm not even that so uh, this is just me kind of being the super nerd that i am and i just went and, and read all this stuff so like yeah he got injured and uh, was walking on a cane uh thereafter and then kind of disappeared for a minute and then came back but mm-hmm. uh he had a home here in westmont like not too far from where i live actually yeah and, and uh and uh, he, they have. They even named a couple. They even named because I mean, he moved from. He was born in the Mississippi, and then at one point mm-hmm. decided that Chicago would be a better move for him in terms of like his uh, career or just seeking music. And so when he came out this way, uh, he ended up eventually in Westmont, where he has a home. And uh, they have a uh, apparently and I, I this is embarrassingly enough. Embarrassingly enough, I did not realize this, but they have a, a street called Honorary Muddy Waters Way, which is Cass Avenue, which is yeah very close oh. to me, and it's uh, a, a, probably a portion uh, somewhere in Westmont. So, uh, so I mean, he's 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 got you know people like he's very well respected in terms of like his influences and and like. Martin told me offline, like uh, the Rolling Stones took one of the titles of their song, one of Muddy Waters' songs and made it the title or made it the, the name of their group, well, you know, Rolling Stones, which is amazing. You know, you the
1: influence of Muddy Waters is a thread that runs throughout any music that we're hearing even today. I mean, you could even listen to Imagine Dragons and pick out influence from that goes back to Muddy Waters or if not Muddy Waters, Delta blues, you know? Uh, And, you know, he moved to Chicago because there was this huge music scene. There was the blues scene that was being born in Chicago and St. Louis and, you know, rose to prominence because he was doing it better than anybody else. Right.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, But uh, yeah, the, the influence that goes back to muddy waters is everywhere. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of sounds that are in rock and roll, but are quintessential muddy waters sounds or riffs Uh, that, and again, this is probably one of those things that is older and bigger than muddy waters, but it was muddy waters that made that uh, like the, the riff, the 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 hook from uh Manish Child or Hoochie mm-hmm. Coochie Man, the yes. bum 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 bum. is that's muddy waters. Yeah. And that and everybody knows that. You know, it's the kind of thing that you ask anybody to say, you know, yeah. you know, hum the blues for me, and it's gonna be
0: bum bad bum bum bada bada bum bada that's muddy waters. Is it is and, it muddy waters completely like he came up with that? I
1: don't know that he came up with it, but it's in all his music. He, but but it's in all his music. Not all yeah, of yeah, his music, but most of his that music. Stuff. Yeah, Is he that- owned it. I mean, that's the muddy waters sound, and it may not be his per se. Like he may not have created it. That's something else. I think you got to think about. There's a, there was a different way that people thought about music back then. Which uh even when you go back to like early rock and roll, 50s, 60s rock and roll, somebody would record a song and then anybody who wanted to could cover it and record it too. Mm. Um, and so uh yeah.
0: so Martin, like Martin. I want to ask you, um, what is what is your favorite Muddy Waters song, dude? Like like I, I really like Hoochie hmm. man I really like I really liked the uh, long distance call, Mad Love. I really like too. But like this is again just me, like really superficially, kind of like listening to his songs. What what songs do you? I think to me, my absolute favorite is a live version that I that I believe he does with Willie
2: Dixon, of Kansas City, mm. and it's just a great little tune of them two. Kind of riffing and talking about what they're going to do when they get to Kansas City, you know, going Mm -hmm. to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. But they do it in that great muddy waters way. I mean, and Kansas City's been covered by a a bunch of artists. The Beatles have done it. I think Pat Boone has probably done that damn song. But (laughs) what Muddy Waters brings to this with him, and I believe again, I think it's Willie Dixon doing it live. It's I think that may be my favorite Muddy Waters song of his. I love I'm Ready. I just love the attitude of I'm Ready. Mm-hmm. Just everything about it. Um, God, it, it, it's it's tough to say because, as Danny was saying, it's it's almost impossible to overstate his influence. It's almost impossible to exaggerate how influential he is, um, and what it goes back to. It's it is like like Danny was saying. It is that iconic sound that we all know. Um, that's. I, to me, when you hear it, it's different from from pop music. It's not pop music, you know. Mm-hmm. It's got. Yeah. I know. I'm sure we'll talk about. It. There's a rea- There's something real, authentic. I know it's kind of cliche. Yeah. There's
1: yeah. an o- authenticity to it that's inescapable. Well, it, yeah. There's anybody who originates a sound, you can feel that when you hear the music. You know, you but, you you know you're hearing the real deal. Mm-hmm. And for me, the, I the. Muddy Waters' song for me is always going to be "Manish Child." Always, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the song because it's it's just. I mean, it may very well be the most recognized blues tune in the world, you know, in the history of blues. It might, it's possible, and it's got so much to it because uh, let's just talk about Muddy Waters, not strictly as a musician, but specifically, right that voice. Yeah. He mm-hmm. sounded like an old man when he was a young man, right? It sounds like an old man. And that's, that's kind of definitive for the blues for me is you, you got to sound like you've lived. That's been beaten up.
0: I, I agree. That is what I think one of the attractive things about blues is that cause like, like what Martin is saying there's an authenticity to it. It's that passion. You believe what he's saying when he sings, what he's singing, you know, Uh, I, I, and, and, and he sounds aged, like you're saying, Dan, he sounds, so there, there's, there's like a truth and a wisdom in the voice as he's singing these words and and, uh, it is so, like I was telling you guys offline, it's just like, why haven't I been listening to this? It's embarrassing that (laughs) I live in Chicago. I've been living in Chicago my whole goddamn life. And I know about the blues, but I don't actually like listen to the blues at all. And, And because of this podcast, I started listening to a bunch of Muddy Waters and I've only been listening to Muddy Waters for three days by yeah. far, I am not any kind of expert, but I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like what ha- I, someone failed me in my upbringing. <laughs> yeah. Someone should introduce me to the blues. Cause I, I did, I did not know anything. Of, like, I really don't know anything about the blues. I mean, the, the, the amount of blues that I know is, is that one song in, uh, adventures in babysitting. That's, that's how much blues <laughs> I know, which is embarrassing. And, and, uh, and to start listening to Muddy Waters, I was just like, yeah, like, yeah, like I'm sitting there like, yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah. I do have one question. What is a hoochie coochie man? I mean, it's one of the titles of his song. Same thing as a backdoor man, my friend. Yeah. I, I, I think he's saying, hey, when
2: your man's not around, just yeah, give me a call and, and I'll, I'll show yeah. you.
0: Uh, hoochie coochie man's a booty call. It's a yeah. booty call yeah but uh there's always
2: that that intonation that you know when your man is not around like i'm gonna be the one who comes around and you know you're gonna step out on your man with me
1: yeah i think if you listen to this song he spells it out pretty clearly pretty, in lyrics yeah. <laughs> i just i just hear it and I'm,
0: I'm hearing him like you know kicking it with them you know and like he's you know getting you know getting dirty or whatever with whoever yeah. but i didn't realize that that's what he was saying man dude that You see, because the other thing, too, is I'm so distracted by the words hoochie and coochie, because I know what those two words mean (laughs) separately. But like, but like it confused me in the song. So I'm like, I know that's not what it means, but (laughs) so I need to know what it means, because I know what a coochie is, and I know what a coochie is, but obviously together they mean something completely different, right? Well, uh, to yeah, me that was true. one of the things
2: that always attracted me to, about the blues was that it always seemed like a little naughty
0: yeah a little yes.
2: nasty like yeah this is yeah. not something you'd wanna, want to want you to have your parents catch you listening to this is kind of what you listen and, to sneaking and, and so that they wouldn't hear you because it was <laughs> right. almost slightly maybe something slightly illegal or immoral going on yeah, yeah. but and
1: hey i want to check it out yeah you know from from the perspective of a, a very innocent you know polish catholic white kid you know, one of the things about blues songs, when you when you hear them is like, it, it they use an entire lexicon of words that you, you don't know, you know, yeah. Yeah, you don't know what they're talking about. And you learn about it and it's like, holy shit, they're straight up talking about sex.
0: Yeah, you know, right. they're,
1: they're straight up talking about stuff you're not allowed to talk about. And that makes it, you know, well, that's the essence of rock and roll. You know yeah. what yeah. I mean? You know, uh but uh, yeah, to, to enjoy the blues, you get into it and you start, you, you got to start figuring out what,
0: what are they actually talking about? And, <laughs> and it, you know, it expands your horizons a little bit. So, like, think about it, like, especially back then in the 50s or whatever, or the 60s or whenever, you know, these songs, the topics, you know, obviously almost every single one of them is is a love song of some sort or actually kind of like a sex song. Mm -hmm. so i mean i'm sure back in those days they seemed pretty kind of they were probably pretty vulgar right um which is funny because today today's music at least to my ears seems pretty pretty darn vulgar Mm -hmm. um there's i don't know why it doesn't bother me except for hoochie coochie man which really kind of distracted me because that's kind of like those Mm -hmm. words are kind of vulgar to me that
1: that's an explicit
0: song man Yeah, yeah yeah but but I mean, like, for example, a song, I just want to make love to you, for example, is like, I don't care. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you for this. I don't want you for that. I just want, mm-hmm. I just want to have sex with you. And yeah. so this is like, it's almost romantic. But if you think about it, it's just like, well, not exactly. Right. Because he doesn't want a relationship with you. Either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's because he's a blues man. He's actually he be on the road. He's not going to stick around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking and of, of which, he has out. like a ton of kids. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, they all were fighting for his, like, after he passed away, they were all fighting mm-hmm. over the the, the the estate with <laughs> with the manager. And so, I guess it was, whew. But apparently, yeah, like, like
1: Bob Marley, there, there's always another Marley King, mm. you know. There's Jesus and, Christ. <laughs> and, and Dan, I'm sure you could probably talk about this more than I could.
2: But, I mean, back in the day, there was a, what was called the Chitlin Circuit. We had these blues, yeah. R&B, soul artists. Mm-hmm. Who in this who would travel in the segregated south there's only so many places you could go uh as a black or even as a black artist even as a top name black artist so yeah. there was this circuit uh, that that uh that black artists just kind of went around playing and they they got to, you know they would make stops in in the same town you know once or twice yeah. a year and that's how they became famous and they also interacted with other artists and that's how they became, they, got, they influenced one another and yeah maybe they met some ladies along the way too
1: <laughs> yeah yeah made some babies Again. That's probably why most musicians became musicians. That's usually, <coughs> Excuse me. Number one or number two reason? Yeah, usually yeah. number one, most. But you know, when when you talk thinking about the songs, I mean, think about especially where like the Chicago blues kind of scene came from. It was it was like public market music, or you know, they're playing in honky tonks or or bars, and they're playing songs about you know what people go there to do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they're they're playing songs to put people in the mood to hook up and so of course that's what the songs are going to be about uh I, i i get a kick too out of it and i think this is maybe one of the things that that made muddy waters a little bit more accessible let's say uh or or more primed to to go mainstream is he took that blues song and instead of necessarily singing blues songs, he's th- he's singing songs about happiness and things that are fun and and yeah, it's gritty and it's down and dirty, but he's 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 singing about being the hoochie coochie man. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's not singing about you know how how rough life is. He's singing about being the hoochie coochie man, and uh, that that is arguably a little bit new and different for blues. At the time, I wasn't alive, so I don't know. I, I just know what I've read. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, here's here's another thing, and I was just listening to it to kind of freshen up, but when you listen to songs, and, and he's got, there are a lot of Muddy Water songs like this, but you listen to Manish Boy, you listen to Hoochie Coochie Man, and he's not so much singing, he's chanting, right? Mm-hmm. And if you hear it, if you listen to it, it sounds like a predecessor to rap if you really listen to it because he's just talking. He's talking his way through the song. He's telling. He's telling a story. He's. He's not necessarily singing it. And if you speed that up, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's some some roots to the rap
0: genre in there. I hear what you're saying because he's like ba ba da and da 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 like mm-hmm. there's that those shots of words mm-hmm. and it's like yep. less singing more kind of talking i see what you're saying yeah like i i can hear rap
1: in it when i when i listen to it
0: that's um, interesting how kind of like music may have evolved in the rap that's very interesting
1: well, I think many people
2: have said and, and I would agree that a lot of the walls separate or the walls of separation amongst the genres of music are are somewhat artificial.
0: Mm. There
2: there is, you know, rap has certainly been influenced a lot by rock and roll and certainly blues and gospel and even country music. Mm. Um, so th- there is this constant, I think, um, cross-influencing effect where everything almost like a biofeedback sure. loop where everything influences itself or everything. All these different types of music and musicians influence one another um and yeah. thus new music is born
0: yeah yeah absolutely. absolutely so one one funny thing about this is that um as i was listening to muddy waters i did look up before that uh that psychedelic cumbia music that you told me about martin and uh there was there's there are some similar some similarities in sound between uh, the cumbia the psychedelic cumbia and the and the and the blues that i was hearing from muddy waters And and i think it may just be just the guitar right but it's that you know sound the rhythmic elements i yeah. think. Yes. Yeah. yeah or you As get
1: that that sort of twangy like mm-hmm. the, yes muddy waters was was uh, known for slide guitar yeah and you get that it's not really twangy so much but it uh, warped like mm-hmm. a warped sound that you get with a slide
0: yeah mm-hmm. so so in terms of like the hearing you say that you like like that you'd like psychedelic cumbia and listening to muddy waters. Plus I guess, and I don't know if this is true. I just looked at an album and the album date was like 1970 something. So I wonder if maybe a uh, psychedelic cumbia was influenced somehow by, by blues, but I just oh, like, I'm sure. Yeah. But I'm yeah. sitting there and I'm listening to, you know, like I remember listening to the psychedelic cumbia and I'm like, Wow, so I can kind of see what you like, you know, like I was listening and I was just like, oh, this is, this makes sense as to why Martin would like this, because
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he likes
0: this and he likes that. And it was like, so I, it was interesting to see that. And if you get a chance, man, you should listen to, to like Psychedelic Cumbia. It's cumbia music, but with a little bit more of that, like twangy uh, guitar sound that we're talking about, Dan. So yeah. it's it's really kind of trippy because I'm listening because I know what like what a regular cumbia song sounds like, but I listen to this like man
1: I man. have no idea what cumbia sounds like so I'm gonna have to look that
0: up. You're gonna have to, it's gonna you you and I we should talk offline. I'll, I'll we'll oh yeah some good cumbia music we, yeah Ooh, like, that'll get you dancing yeah yeah cumbia hmm. music is 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 really like a fun style of dancing and it's kind of one of the easier ones so I can yeah. kind of fake it a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah.
2: It's, it's definitely a Mexican party music. That's, you know, if you, if there's a Mexican party,
0: at some point, somebody's going to bust out some cumbia. Somebody, yeah. Especially back in the day when yeah. I was younger, sure. cumbia yeah. was the music that they would play a little bit more of. And so, like, you would see that and maybe the Durangense kind of style music, the, the the what do you call it, the banda music. Yeah. Right? So they would have those two style of musics. The, the banda music is the polka style Mexican music. Right. And then they would have this cumbia, which is interesting. and uh, A little bit
2: more up-tempo, more... That kind of more upbeat. Yeah. Let's dance, let's have a good time.
0: Yeah, and, and there's a lot of, like, it's beautiful to watch people dance that stuff because they're like, the ones Ooh, who know what they're doing, Yeah. They're, the, <laughs> girl, the girl is just spinning and spinning and spinning. It's, it's like salsa, but a little different. Like, you know, yeah. salsa is... I think a little more elegant even, whereas, um, cumbia, cumbia is just party music. It's just fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. But like salsa is elegant, right? Like you gotta, and, and you can't fake that shit. Salsa. I tried. I, I, can't <laughs> I can't, you know, it looks, it looks bad if you don't know what you're doing. Um, but then like today in today's music, you got, you know, at a Mexican party, they would have, you know they would probably have they probably play cumbia less nowadays and they have yes. bachata merengue merengue and and salsa more right but that's all a different topic but anyway exactly. like i was saying the psychedelic cumbia has a similar sound to the to the yeah to the to the blues that we're talking about and it's mm-hmm. just so much fun to kind of listen to all this kind of different ways of using the guitar oh sure and it, you know
1: it I think Muddy Waters is a great example to start with about how, like we're talking about, popular music cross-pollinates all the time. And, you know, the roots reach back in, in all these different directions. And uh, what you're hearing when you're hearing a, any kind of popular music song, really, no matter how deeply ingrained it is in one specific genre, you you are hearing a a melange of all of these different things that came before it because I've known, I've I've never been in a band, but I've known plenty of musicians and I've gone to plenty of shows and you talked, you know, you go to punk shows and yeah, you know, you've got, you've got punk bands where they know punk. That's all they know. That's all they, they, they know how to play three chord rock and that's it. But the by and large, even even punk, which is, let's be honest, it's the least technically demanding <laughs> form of popular music. You don't have to be particularly skilled mm. to be a a punk musician, especially like a garage punk musician. But anybody who's like a serious musician, especially guitarists, they listen to everything, man. And you, you, even even like the guitarist in a punk band, you sit down and talk to that dude or that lady, and they'll talk your ear off about all different kinds of music, and and they'll they'll rip out and start playing anything, and you it it obviously influences the music that they they play and the music mm-hmm. that they love, regardless of if if they're playing punk or if they're playing rock and roll or if they're playing blues they listen to everything and, and it's, it's just part of being a musician. You have to, you have to breathe it, you know, if you're, if you're going to be any good at it, if you're, if you're really passionate about music to the point where you consider yourself a serious musician, you don't just live in one, one genre, you know, whether or not you play that genre, you, you live and breathe in, in the whole
0: atmosphere. That's no. probably true of a lot of things. Like you can't just be one facet of some kind of discipline. You got to be multi multifaceted. But as far as music, man, like I always at one like when I was younger, I always wanted to play music. I tried. I just didn't have the patience for it. Uh, I regret it, and I feel like eh, you know, as much as I would like to play music, it's probably not something I would do right now. But I when I see other people play music, it could be, it could be, you know, I don't know. It could be anything, man. I I'll, I'm amazed. It could be Mary had a little lamb. It could be <laughs> Guns N' Roses. It could be anything. I'm like, that is awesome. You know, like it seems like magic to me. Like it's just- I was I was about to say that. There live music
2: has a magical quality to it, mm-hmm. then. That, yeah. that ever since I think almost for those of us who love music, that was there since from the beginning, from, from when you were a child. Mm-hmm. From, I remember the first time I saw my dad pick up a guitar and play some simple two or three chord song on a guitar yeah. and maybe being five, six, seven, mm-hmm. being blown away at the magic. I couldn't believe yeah. that this was being created right in front of me in the room I was in. It almost seemed like, yeah, magic, like it was divine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's almost never gone away from me. Whenever I see, I hear live music that... It's always there, even if it's not that, the best live music. There's always a little magical well,
1: quality to it. Yeah, div, divine is, is a great word. You know, it's a there, there's a magical, divine quality to it. Especially if you ever pick up an instrument, try, try to start learning it. You know what? I I challenge anybody to pick up a guitar. Even let let's say you're a competent guitar player, pick up a guitar and try to sing along while you're playing without ever having done it before pick up a guitar try to sing along and once you try that you will appreciate even bad live music mm-hmm. moving forward because the amount of skill it takes to do that well to play a guitar and sing at the same time without fucking either up is is it's there's it's magical mm-hmm. it, it's and, funny and, it's, i it's, say that because i i you know as as i'm learning to play guitar i have tried more than once to like sing along and it's just i <laughs> i was i've been successful at it twice with very simple songs and the amount of work and practice that took to get me
0: there was astonishing there is this guy he he uh he, he this guy growing up like we used to own a, a grocery store at one point, and the butcher uh, at one point asked me, "Hey, you know that? Because I would I had uh, the soundtrack for Desperado, that Robert Rodriguez movie with um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's the name of that Spanish actor? I forget his name right now. Was Banderas? Antonio Banderas? Banto- yeah. Antonio Banderas, yeah. And so in the beginning of that movie, he plays that uh, that that song, right? Yo soy un hombre muy honrado, blah 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 blah, right? You know? So. Um, He asked me for that song because I had the the soundtrack. And uh, he said that, like, later on, he gave me back the CD and he's like, I learned the music or whatever, because he learned to play it by ear. Ten of them living in an apartment, working awful jobs, like, you know, five, six bucks an hour or whatever. And so they all pitched in to live in this one apartment and they would spend their nights singing the songs uh that they found and one of the songs that they would sing would be that song from desperado and i was just like crazy you know like what, what do you sound like you know and so he one time brought the guitar to the you know to the store and played the goddamn song and it wasn't perfect but i was like goddamn, like yeah and he must have been playing it maybe every night since i let him borrow it i think it took him like a month maybe to learn the song or whatever, dude could play it and he could sing along with it. And it wasn't just him, like, apparently from what he told me, they were all singing Yeah, in that, in the, in that apartment or whatever, along with this guy. I don't know if they use the TV or not. I, you know, I never asked him that, but I know that, you know, he was working here for, you know, for his family back home. And so he was just saving money and he was, I guess, sleeping on the floor or whatever they were mm-hmm. doing. They were roughing it. He was roughing it on hmm. purpose. I'm sure he didn't have to because he made enough, but he was he was roughing it on purpose so that he could send all this could money back. All, yeah. And so, in the meantime, they would entertain themselves by playing music and you know at night after after mm-hmm. their shifts and stuff. I was just like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. And
1: oh it, it's in the process of, of learning guitar, And you know, I've played other instruments in the past too, but as a kid, and it's different. I'm sure it takes me a lot longer to learn something now than it would have taken me when I was, mm-hmm. you know but you know, just the process of learning how to play and learn not just learning how to play, but learning how to play specific songs, and how long it takes me to learn a song, you know and and how many hours of practice it takes me to learn a song. I will never in my life go and see live music again and uh, not appreciate how much work went into that one live performance, how much work went into just getting whoever it is to the point where not only they're confident enough to get up in front of it, but that they can get up there and play not one song, but like 15 songs. That takes Mm -hmm. a lot of
0: balls, doesn't it? I mean, Martin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think when you have done
2: you've have you played in front of people yes, yes, but i'm I'm kind of a ham, so that's i i I do like that i I think I told you i I used to like to do you know like uh I wasn't exactly an an actor in 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 high school, uh-huh. but I was often would would do would read parts in high school classes so uh-huh. i I loved like you know when we did Shakespeare, I'd get to play somebody in Shakespeare, so I like being up in in front of a crowd, so yes and and it it is it is incredibly great to be in front of people and playing music and getting the feedback from them that they're not only liking it, but really like getting into it. That is (laughs) a really cool feeling. Have you ever bombed? Have you ever had the opposite of that? (laughs) I've been fortunate because I've only done it a few times. So I I can't say it's because I'm particularly great. I've only played on stage, like in front of an, an audience, maybe four or five times. Other times it's happened with friends and family. That oh, nice. I'll do. And another friend of mine will play the guitar or play a bass or maybe uh, my wife plays a little piano. So she'll do a little piano and she and I will sing. Oh, that's but, awesome. But what Danny's saying is absolutely correct. Because I grew up as one of the, besides the blues, one of the big influences of mine was always the Beatles. I was a big Beatles fan. Sure. Uh, a, a childhood friend of mine got me into the Beatles. Um, so when I started learning how to play guitar, just those first couple of Beatle tunes that I was able to crank out and sing along with. Was pretty magical, yeah. knowing that that these tunes had been yeah. such a part of me for so long. It almost seemed like they, like it wasn't me playing it; like it was coming through me, like you're channeling something.
1: Yeah, and it's not when, really you doing it. Yeah, when you when you're learning a song, especially for me, like if I'm learning a song, and there are certain songs that you learn for the technical skill that it teaches mm-hmm. you, you know, as opposed to whether or not you really want to learn that song, right. yeah. you know, like. And this is a song that everybody who's learning how to play guitar learns how to play, but you know, you, you, you play the song Wonderwall, mm-hmm. which is a song <laughs> I don't care for. I do not, I don't <laughs> like Oasis. I, I don't like, I, I didn't like that Brit pop wave. You know, it's not my thing, but it's a song, like it's a great song to to learn if you're learning how to play split chords. Right. And you know, that moment where you're playing it and all of a sudden the strum pattern clicks and you know it sounds like music and you're connect and you connect to it and all of a sudden you're not just strumming along but you're kind of dancing and swaying along with it and it's that that moment where you're actually making music nothing feels like mm-hmm. you know it's it's a great feeling as even especially probably even more so when you're playing a song you don't like <laughs> when you're playing a song that you don't like and all of a sudden you're making it sound good, that makes it even sweeter. Yeah. You know? Uh, But so the Beatles, that's another one, you know, just like muddy waters. You can't, you can't, you can't talk about modern pop music rock. You can't talk about rock and roll and any, and everything that came after it without talking about the Beatles because Mm -hmm. they know they did not originate everything their sound came by combining all of these other elements from things that came before them. You know, they, they, they started out because they really loved Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis, you know? And, um, and they, they brought in elements of the blues and then you see that with Led Zeppelin, which Led mm. Zeppelin is like my spirit band, Led Zeppelin. Well, sure. Was, that's, that's a Mount Rushmore know, band. Yeah. I, I, I could listen to to Led Zeppelin all day every day and never get tired of it, you know. But like like the you got the Beatles, they they brought all of this different stuff together, and the Beatles probably the the Beatles probably defined to guitar rock and roll. You know what I mean? Like that's they're they're the ones who made that the sound.
0: Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! There was never that before. No, there, there was, was there was but.
1: They, I would, I would say they're the ones who, who defined that as rock and roll.
0: Mm, I, I don't know. I, I
2: and, and they were, and I think the Beatles were a little different from other bands that maybe went before them in rock and roll. In, the, in that there wasn't a lead man, there wasn't a lead right singer. There certainly oh. was a lead guitar player, George Harrison, but there wasn't yeah. the front man and the rest of the band. They they were really unique in that they seemed to be for individuals but like almost like one organism in a way yeah
1: Hmm. but it was you know it wasn't just you had john lennon singing the songs and everybody else you know you john and paul and their their original sound was all about harmony where it would be either john and paul harmonizing together or john paul and george harmonizing together you know occasionally ringo would get in on it you know but um they, they they brought that harmony in and uh and then they they fused all of these other things uh, blues and um, other sounds that came together and and then after they got popular they started making their own sound you know you get to like revolver hmm, which they released yeah. in nineteen sixty six you know you get to revolver and they're creating totally new sounds yes um they're they're defining again they i mean they everything that came after the beatles is in, has been influenced by the beatles it's it's just fact um and then like like even you, i was just talking to a friend of mine about this uh it was a song i hadn't listened to in a long time and then i i, I listened to helter skelter
0: hmm.
1: a couple of weeks ago and for a moment there I'm like god damn it did Paul McCartney invent punk rock or heavy metal McCartney. I've heard
2: people say that as well yeah you
1: know but but there but but helter skelter is like you listen to that you listen to the bass beat of that song the dun. Oh. you know the bass beat of that song I mean that's quintessential punk rock
0: hmm.
1: and the sound is quintessential heavy metal right but you know heavy metal was you could argue that at least 80s heavy metal was an outgrowth of punk rock Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh like helter skelter and and there was there was proto-punk going on outside of the beatles but i mean that sound i it, it it's funny to kind of have that realization of a song that you've known for 40 years and and all of a sudden like oh my god how did i never hear this before yeah. but i you know i'm going down a little rabbit hole no. <laughs> but you know the beatles when you know once they hit revolver and then you got sergeant peppers and you got uh the white album and it it's like they're reinventing yeah. everything yeah. they they reinvented everything and uh it's again you can't overstate the influence of the beatles and you can't do it. it's really an
2: amazing amount of artistic growth in just over 7 years that they were really at the top of the mountain in terms of music Yep. Yeah. it's 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 really incredible that you're right that by night by 65 when they're coming out with revolver and, and, and rubber soul they're no longer the mop tops nope. they become another they're not she loves you and i want to hold yeah. your hand anymore they've done they've moved on yeah and then by the time they, they come to uh to sergeant pepper i think it's the first time that somebody thought of popular music popular recorded music as something more than just music for ritualized courting behavior via dance. Yeah, right. Now yeah. it was something that you sat down and you listened to as if it were Mozart or as if you were yeah. reading a play. Hmm. It was no longer just pop music. It was something it was art at that point.
1: And and it was uh and you no longer it evolved. They uh Sgt. Pepper's and then right before that you had the uh the Beach Boys with Pet Sounds. Yes, yes,
2: very where, as well. You
1: know, these are these are albums that, I mean, the, it's a quintessential change in rock and roll in the sense that these are not albums of songs designed to be played in a dance house. You know, mm-hmm. these, are, these are songs that were composed. You know, it wasn't just songwriting. These were compositions that really needed to be uh, recorded in a studio because of the technical... Uh, Difficulty in the overlaying of multiple tracks and um, and there's an artistry to that, you know, there's uh, this was studio rock and, you know, again, everything that came before that was all about, you know, uh, sort of disposable love song music, you know, dance hall music is, is really what rock and roll was. And then you had Pet Sounds come out and you had Revolver come out and you had Sergeant Peppers come out. And, and these are, they were created with the vision of, you know, Brian Wilson and Paul McCartney and John Lennon and like like the vision of, I want to create something that can't really be recreated on a stage. I want to create sounds that have to come out of a studio that are layered and deep and complex. I'm carrying on though. No,
2: no, not at all. Um, I, and, and I think that's something that when you hear big artists who were alive at the time, when they talk about their reaction to the release of Sergeant Pepper or the release yep. of, of, Pet Sounds, or even the release of *Rubber Soul or Revolver, amazing artists all of them talk about how what a monumental step forward it was this was something mm-hmm. that they'd never heard before there's all kinds of stories of people hearing sergeant pepper's and pulling over at the side of the road and crying yeah. or or doing all kinds of stuff because it's it was so beyond the pale of what anybody had ever yeah. conceived could pop yep. what, what pop music could be
1: yeah um, it was it was an evolution of of simple songs for simple purposes into we're making this legitimate art form and you know like pet sounds when that came that that absolutely influenced sergeant peppers mm-hmm. oh yes it influenced the way that it was constructed you know uh because like it, it, it that's the point in time with like the beatles retired from touring they were like we're only going to make studio music from now on because it's the only venue that we can make the music that that we're envisioning anymore you know um so it, it I, I can only imagine, can you even imagine witnessing the evolution of that sound, right? It would, it, it, the only thing that I think we've probably lived through that is anything similar is like the evolution of modern rap and modern R&B, mm-hmm. because it's not, I I uh, embarrassingly am, am not well-versed in rap or R&B, but. I mean, you, you had the birth of something completely new, completely different vision and completely unique sounds that, that came out of that. And, you know, I almost feel like I was cheated out of it because I was I was too busy, too busy listening to, uh, you know, uh, hair bands, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you, you had grunge, too. But realistically, grunge was just a return to rock and roll. You
0: know? Yeah. So, um, Martin, just to take it back to blues, if I wanted to get a little bit more of an education in blues, who who would you point me to? So we started Ooh. with Muddy Waters. Who else would I go to? Like, I well, want to see, I, you know, if, if somebody talks to me as like, which which blues, you know, okay. like, which ones, Which which artists should I go to?
2: One of my one of the first albums I ever bought uh, was B.B. Um, King live at Cook County Jail. What? Wait a minute! Yeah, yeah.
0: He was B. B. live, at, at, Cook live at Cook County. Yep.
2: Yeah, he's playing for the for the uh, for the inmates at Cook County Jail. Wow, um, that is a great album, and because um, that is just B.B. King performing for an audience that he obviously wants to perform for, and they are loving him. And he is tearing it up. It is a great show. I I want to say it's in the late 60s, like 67, he recorded this. So this is also at the height of, you know, the civil rights era, um, black liberation. It's so there's also that's another great thing about about the blues, how it it helps provide a context for the times. Mm -hmm. Um, And you really hear it in this show. To me, my introduction to the blues, I, I think as we were saying earlier, I think we're offline, was through the rock artists that I grew up idolizing. Uh, Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan were, were the guys I grew up idolizing. And hearing them play the blues, even hearing Jimmy play like jazz riffs on, on songs like Third Stone from the Sun kind of gave me an appreciation like, well, I wanna check out what jazz is all about. And it was kind of through Jimi Hendrix that I, that I learned about Miles Davis. And I, I started getting sure. into Miles Davis yeah um and as they as they were saying and about these uh i mean dan was saying about these, these cross-pollination uh of these incredible artists who go wow if hendrix is into some jazz he's playing some of these cool jazz riffs uh but i would definitely recommend hendrix for but that's obviously uh a more electrified blues a more rocky blues mm-hmm. but the delta blues is still coming through it's still bleeding through you can really hear it yeah yeah uh, um again, kind of a little bit more recent, but not that recent, because I, I believe uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan died in, in the early 90s, uh, is Stevie Ray Vaughan, an incredible blues artist. Uh, and, but, but they, and they're both fairly popular, so they're, they're very accessible, um, and they're familiar enough, their style of music is familiar enough to almost everybody that it's, it's, it's an easy, I think, an easy introduction to which you can go on and learn about more like deeper blues from the 30s and 40s. Um, I don't know if Danny knows. I remember also when I was growing up, XRT used to have like blues before sunrise or blues I breakers, that. Yeah. yeah. And those were also great for me, just for my own education. You know, if you're up, you know, late one morning after a little bit of partying or something, and you come home, you you know, turn on the radio, it's blues before sunrise coming on, and you're. Hit. Those were always great. Or you know, I'm sure there's an. I know there's a number of, of uh, blues podcasts that I used to sure. listen to. that, but. It's it's amazing that, that the blues is still alive. There is still new and current blues artists producing contemporary blues music. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. not it's not the dominant genre that 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 it once was, but it's it's still alive and kicking, thank goodness.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's actually kind of a it touches on it, it's kind of sad, and I guess you can't get too sad about it because everything has to move along. But like guitar is it's not like dying out or anything but it's it's not Mm -hmm. it's not the preeminent rock and roll instrument anymore there are you really don't have any guitar gods out there right now like Mm -hmm. you you know not current you know you've got guitar gods out there like john mayer and whoever you want to bring up but you know like the uh, music's moved on to a very electronic realm and it and and the you still have elements of rock and roll and and uh and blues and jazz and and all of that in popular music but the the heyday of two guitar two guitar rock which dominated for 60 years is yeah. is kind of gone yeah. uh right now and i mean it'll probably come back but it it's kind of sad to see it go yeah but you know if i were if i were gonna say okay you want you want an introduction to somebody who's not familiar with blues right maybe somebody who's a rock and roll fan who's who's not familiar to blues i would say start off with led zeppelin mm-hmm. and the, the first the first led zeppelin album self you know eponymous led zeppelin 1969 every song on there is basically a proto heavy metal take on old-fashioned delta blues and if you like what you hear there Find yourself some John Lee Hooker. Yes. Oh. Dive into John Lee Hooker. Dive into uh, Muddy Waters. And then, and you know, if, if, if you're kind of working your way backwards through the rock and roll connection, dive into a little bit of Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan sings about uh, all sorts of old-fashioned blues mu- musicians. And then, you know, you'll, you'll hear him sing about Blind Willie McTell. And there was there was a whole slew of in the, like the 1930s uh, blues men who they, they were blind, Willie McTell or blind, whatever. Uh, from, you know, you can find it on YouTube, you know, steep yourself. If, if you want to get into blues, steep yourself in the history of it and work yourself backwards from, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan is a great place to start for that sort of quintessential electronic blues rock sound. Mm-hmm. And then you work 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 backward to to Led Zeppelin and get that that hard rocking version of rock and roll. Listen mm-hmm. listen to some Bob Dylan, and then dive your way back into the actual blues and work your way back through John Lee Hooker and Muddy Waters all the way back to find yourself a Blind Willie McTell album, and then you'll hear where it all came from.
0: Blind you'll Willie, hear where
1: that? Blind Willie McTell. Is that game actually blind? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. And you know, you you will find it on YouTube, but it's you know old, scratchy, record recordings of just a guy and a guitar and a an, uh, a resonator guitar, and that's that's where all of all of it comes from.
0: American music all comes from there. The uh, the few songs that I listened to from Muddy Waters, there were there were a few recordings that were like like in the it, they could have been live. You know what I'm saying? The way they recorded, it didn't seem like they were completely in a, stu- in a studio. Because mm-hmm. at one point, the one song I was listening to, I can't remember which one it was, but they started playing a harmonica, and the dude, there was so much like. Reverberation Like the dude Must have been like Like in a In a hall or something Three feet away From where the microphone was And I was like That sounds grungy But at the same yeah. time I was just like That is so dope well, But that, <laughs> well, but that's
1: the Quintessential blues sound Is it It has to sound grungy It sounds yeah. dirty and gritty
0: It yeah? can't be perfect It can't be no. crystal clear No It was yeah. not It was not that It was like You can hear the Meow! And it was like way over in the back someplace. So I'm like, where the hell is the microphone guy in the yeah, bathroom? And like <laughs> and this is also this is also the... I
1: was
2: gonna but say go these are the days before multi-track recording, also yeah, right where where you had you were essentially recording a live performance in a studio. So you had mm-hmm. a room and four or five mics set up, and each yep. each musician was at their mic in that room. Whereas nowadays you record one track in one studio, another track yep. in another studio, you you combine all these tracks later on uh to make your song but back then you were essentially capturing a live performance
1: yeah yeah and that's i think that's one of the reasons why i dig especially uh 60s rock and roll and 60s blues so much uh especially when you get into the guitar music when when guitar takes it away from saxophone and piano because they were inventing those sounds they they were creating sounds that now you you have a pedal or your 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 amp has sounds built That's into it that i can do yeah. right? Yeah. and they're inventing they're inventing you know, Jimi hendrix invented the sounds that that invented the methods to create the sounds that he was getting out of it or um i uh you know stabbing holes into speak spe- speakers yeah into the speaker to get to get that dirty dirty sound coming out of the speaker the amplifier you know they they they're inventing and and they have new tools you know the the fender telecaster was invented in 1950 51 you know the les paul guitar invented around the same time and so you get into the the 50s and 60s when rock and roll was coming into its own and those sounds that you identify with as being rock and roll the that's what makes the originators of rock and roll so fascinating is they were inventing how to make those sounds they were using a brand new tool and creating the sounds even simple stuff that that we that we don't think of as that complex or complicated but like surf rock where you get that really drippy Mm reverb slappy um uh uh Tremolo picking sound, like like in Miserloo, uh yeah. They they had to invent that sound with reverb tanks and palm, you know, palm muting and um, slapback. You you gotta you. They had to invent a way to get that rapid slapback reverb. So it, you're not just getting the big reverb sound. You're also get, getting that. <laughs> so.
0: So that invented all that, but like some of that probably comes from where they, how they came up because part of like, at least from what I read of Muddy Waters, his first guitar wasn't a guitar. It was like a box and like a few sticks and a string. Yeah. And and then before he actually had an electric guitar, he had some kind of weird invention that was electrified. Yeah. It was not exactly a guitar. And yep. then that, that thing got stolen, whatever it was, got <laughs> stolen, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which like, I don't know what it was, but I imagine it was like, like some wood and some, some strings and, and somehow plugged up into some kind of amp, but not a guitar. Like someone took something probably dangerous inflammable, because they wanted it because Muddy Waters had it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then eventually you well, got an actual was- electric guitar. Yeah. The, and the first electric guitar, well, it,
1: was a, it was Rickenbacker, right? In the 1930s was the yeah. first electric guitar. And uh, like I said, I mean, they were just electrifying like a, a hollow, basically taking an acoustic guitar and electrifying it. And I mean, it was a messy process, but just like every bit of innovation, it came from somebody saw what the musicians were doing to get mm. in, to, to make their sound louder. And they were like, well, I could,
0: yeah, I could and, invent that, you know. That, that's exactly why he started using uh that electric that electric weird thing he was using, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. He was uh he was using it because he needed a louder sound yep. to, to to get across the people. And so that's 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 why he started using that that weird thing he he found. Because wow. I don't even think he made it. I think somebody else made it and he was like, Oh, that's cool. And then he started using it and it mm. was his. And I was just like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I, I wish I yeah. had more time. I would have dove into like what the hell that thing was and what it looked like. Yeah. But I guess there's like no pictures or anything of it. So who knows what it was?
2: Yeah. I, I was now that we we're talking, I was also going to recommend Edgar, um, a, another couple of artists. Uh, Albert King is a great blues artist. Yes. Uh, incredibly influential. Uh, I, I can't believe I forgot about him. Howlin' Wolf is also a, a, one of yep. my favorites. He has a big Chicago legend, a Tauru man. And what's, what's his name? What's the second one? Howlin' Wolf.
0: Howlin'. He, <laughs> he had this
2: incredible, <laughs> and when you hear him sing, you'll know he's got a very gravelly, grungy, yep. very- Oh, he, like, love that. He's, he's, had a, he's been living hard and, and probably yep. having a lot of fun along the way.
0: Drinking hard glass.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then a, a little bit more recent, but still a while ago, who I I've just I've been on a, on an Almond Brothers bender for a couple of years now. I cannot stop listening to the Almond Brothers, but uh, their live performance at at the Fillmore is uh, yeah. Many people give them credit as as being the inventors of Southern rock, and I, I in in full transparency, I used to have a thing about not liking Southern rock because I equated it with. Uh, with uh, country no with, with what you doing? Le- who are the guys who had the stars and bars on, on leonard their, skinner on logo? leonard skinner to write. right so yeah it, i always had that association but that was my own prejudice yeah. i, sh- I should have gotten past that but when i discovered the Allman brothers it oh, was man. like a universe opened up and their recording at the Fillmore is one of the greatest live recordings i think that's ever been made it's an incredible yeah. performance
0: Okay, and so then Allman Allman Brothers, Bro- Allman Brothers, right at the top of the list there. Yeah. Just <laughs> I'm Allman right. Brothers,
1: and at least like that. You can't talk about the Allman Brothers without bringing up Derek Trucks, like the, the uh, Tedesky Trucks, the Trucks Tedesky Band, and the Derek Trucks Band. Derek Trucks is the son of the Allman Brothers drummer, uh, and he's he was a guitar prodigy as a kid. He may be. The best living guitarist right now. I mean, he's he's amazing, and he and he can play all these different styles of guitar, but he specializes in playing the slide guitar. You gotta you gotta listen to some Derek Trucks because that guy is amazing.
2: And I know the Almond Brothers you would occasionally have two drummers playing with them, and then they would also have the the dueling lead guitars of Dickie yeah. Betts and Dwayne Alman. Yeah was just, just to hear those two guys going at it on dual lead guitars, it's, it's mind-blowing. I remember the first time hearing it, being yeah. blown away by the power of that sound, and it was yeah. live.
1: And that's the, like, wow. for me, that's the trademark of the Allman Brothers is the amount of sound. Uh, they Because they, they basically have the rock and roll uh, version of an orchestra, you know, mm-hmm. it's a big band. Yeah. And they they make a lot of sound. It, yeah. Allman Brothers are great. And just Greg great. Allman
2: on lead vocals. I would give anything to be able to sing like Greg Allman. The um, I remember the first time I think one of the first Allman Brothers songs that I heard was Whipping Post when I was a kid. And just being blown away by uh, by Greg Allman's vocal on that song. Just blown away because it, it seemed like he was really feeling it. He was really tied to Whipping Post, getting his ass kicked. Ooh. Mm. Uh, and that's one of those songs that, that was, I'll still stop and listen to, even though I've heard it a million times, this, the studio version or the live version. I'll still stop and listen to it just to hear Greg Allman scream tied to the Whipping Post. So it's one of those
0: but, songs that's like, oh, uh, chilling. Really yeah. is chilling. See, you said Whipping Post, but it, it didn't dawn on me that it could be that he's tied to a whipping post and they're like, this is probably like a song about slavery, right? Well,
2: it alludes to it. It's about love. It's about a, a, a woman treating him so bad that,
0: you know, he's, he
2: feels like he's tied to the whipping post.
0: Jesus Christ. So he talks about her
2: running around, making a fool out of him. She's, you know, he's hanging out with, with his best friends. Uh, he's being made a fool of, and you know, you got me feeling like I'm tied, but the way he yells it out, mm. it's incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. Get just get a divorce, dude. Just, just <laughs> fuck.
2: This <laughs> is <laughs> the late '60s. People didn't divorce. Us,
0: oh, fuck that! I would, I would have laughed.
2: I would have. Oh, that breaks my heart, man. But that vocal on that performance is one of those. I think one of the greatest vocals I've ever heard.
0: Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh man, to be to 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 be in love with a woman that bad. See, that's the other thing too. Like some of these people. Like some of these songs are just songs, right? But then some of these songs came from somewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it came from somewhere. Like you ain't yeah. gonna sing that hard and that that passionately if you don't know if you don't know what it's like, man. And mm-hmm. ugh, the uh, I'm gonna go sing. I'm gonna go listen to that song, uh, and I will see what's up, man, because no. it just sounds brutal. <laughs> no, yeah. You
2: swear someone's done. Uh someone's done him wrong you're like who who done you wrong doing just let me know we'll go <sighs> and we'll fix her up because someone's just, done him wrong yeah <laughs> all i could yeah.
0: do is, is i sit there and be like dude you should have just left, man just leave yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. all right man so it looks like we're on uh, about an hour and a half or so here so uh, i we'll think we have to do this again and,
2: and and switch around and talk about various i love this talking about artists that we did
0: yeah, yeah, no, there's yeah. a lot. I I I am unfortunately not the not the most uh like like I said in the beginning, I am not the most uh um like I don't know all that much about music. So this is definitely a topic outside my 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 like stuff of not like my containers of knowledge or whatever you want to however you want to say it. So I don't have the I have the knowledge that you guys have, but um but I like that you guys can tell me, hey, you know, check this out. Check that out. Listen to this. Listen to that. And if my listeners are anything like myself, this is cool because then it's like, okay, I know where to start. I'll go here and I'll go here and then I'll try this. And then from there, hopefully I'll find my way around and, and figure it out because I am really liking blues. And i, I wanna I want to listen to more. If it's all yeah. like this. I'm gonna love it because like I just like that that raspy sure. that voice that we're talking about. Yeah. And that and sound with the
2: <laughs>
0: way in the background yeah, and stuff. It's just so and the
1: more you the more you listen to it, you know, just like everything, there's there's a whole range of sounds that you're gonna get when you listen to blues. So you got like Stevie Ray Bond, which is super polished. Mm-hmm. now he he's got a blues voice there's no question oh my god yes but but he's his the the music the guitar now you got to think about stevie Ray Vaughan was coming around when um like steve Vai, and mm-hmm. uh you know and, and um
2: another great guitarist, steve
1: Vai, yeah. yeah well like like when when real fast uh technical guitar playing was was super popular um and, and and uh what is it? surfing with the alien was was the big deal. satriani yeah joe satriani and so like you had that 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 80s early 90s um just shred shred metal sound where it's all about speed and technical skill and then you had stevie ray Vaughan was hitting it at the same time and it's you've got this really clean amazing technical skill playing and he's got that blues that, that blues voice, but the, it took blues to this crazy polished place that blues didn't necessarily mm-hmm. live before. And, bef- you know, before Stevie Ray Vaughan, I wouldn't say he's a blues um, performer, but you had Carlos Santana where there's a lot of blues in his music. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of blues riffs and playing in his music. And, you know, you have like Carlos Santana and Stevie Ray Vaughan coming around and doing blues but in a very polished polished sound and then you dig deeper and go backwards into it and you get to you 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 work your way back through uh like um john lee hooker and muddy waters and and you hear like oh it's gritty and dirty you know and i don't know there is just a a world of, of music to explore and it gets me excited <laughs> and, and, I, and, and I think blues
2: are like eternally cool. If you have any musician friends or people are into it, yeah, blues is always cool. Oh, you're into yep. blues? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, that's that's cool. Then, like, it's like you're part of a, a, a secret club that, every, like, you know, yeah. Well, he he's into blues yeah. too. He's one of us. So yeah. it's it's just all that kind of aspect, like, just being and- very hip.
1: Yeah. You know, I wish I could play blues worth of a damn. I can't play blues just because I don't have, I, I don't actually have the technical skill yet to play it and, and have it sound right, but I'll get there. Cool. We're all working at it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, man. So let's cap this off. Thanks so much, Martin, for coming on. Thank you so much. My, not my cousin, Dan. Uh, this is the flow roll. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Music, Windy City, by Chester Malone, can be found over at Epidemic Sound. All right, that's the end of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you get interested in blues. And uh, as you heard, the guys um, both give you some good places to start if you're interested in blues music. I know I am, and I've already started listening to Howlin' Wolf. Um, I'm enjoying that guy, too. It's all all good stuff. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing and you want to give us a hand, make sure you go out and like and subscribe and comment and, and recommend us on all the different podcast channels. Also, you can head on over to shop.thefloropodcast.com and get yourself a nifty coffee mug with our logo on it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.